0: back to the episode.
1: What's up, my friends? Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 544 here of the show. I am your trusty host here, Rick Mulready. I don't know why I just said the word trusty, but uh, as always, super appreciate you for coming to hang out with me today. Hope all is going well, whatever you're up to right now. Uh, today's episode, this is a best of episode. And I was very intentional about why I wanted to bring this episode back in front of you here today. Uh, joining me on this interview that you're about to hear is my copywriter, Brittany McBean. And we talk about simple hacks for writing copy that converts. This was the second highest downloaded episode in all of 2020. And I got so much great feedback from it about people saying, like, holy cow, I learned so much in that episode and I was able to go and implement it right away. And I saw results. The other reason why I wanted to share it with you again here today is because Brittany has been instrumental in just reshaping my entire brand, entire copy, and entire messaging. I have so many people come to me and say, wow, I read your website or I read your accelerator page and I just get you. You know, I love how I can see very specifically who you are, what your values are, and also how you can help me where do I, you know, (laughs) tell me what to do now so that I can work with you. That my friend is a lot of the work that I've been doing with Brittany over the past 12 months. And I want to bring her back here to you uh, right now on this episode here in the podcast. The other reason is we have a whole bunch of new listeners here of the podcast. And so whether you've heard this episode or not, or have not heard it, I want you to hear it again. If you've already heard it, You're going to pick up new nuggets. I have to get that word in. (laughs) New nuggets in today's episode. It's really, really good. We talk all about things uh, when it comes to copywriting like three ways to instantly improve your copywriting right now, how to write personality based copy that converts. We talk about the difference between your messaging and your copy. We talk about how to balance sharing personal things in your life through your copy with marketing your business. It's always a balance that so many people, so many of us are trying to find balance in, and a whole lot more that uh, we dive into here today with Brittany McBee. Now, before we do, before I cue that music, I wanna let you know that we are currently accepting applications for my accelerator coaching program. This is a one on one coaching, group coaching, and mastermind experience for more advanced online course creators and online coaches. You're already doing at least seven to eight K per month in revenue from your online business. And you're looking to scale without working more hours. Basically what we help you do is improve your profit. So more profit, more impact with less hustle, because that is what it's all about, right? So if you're feeling overwhelmed in your business, you're likely doing all the things. You're not really sure what next steps to be taking in your business to streamline your systems and processes, your sales and marketing, et cetera, et cetera then i want to invite you to apply for my accelerator coaching program just go to RickMolready.com/accelerator. forward slash accelerator all right now we will cue the music and dive right into it with Brittany mcbean hey my friends my name is rick moldready and i'm an online business coach i'm an ads expert and i'm all about helping online course creators and coaches make more money in their business while working fewer hours. But most importantly, I'm a father and I'm a husband. With this podcast, you're gonna learn exactly how to become what we here call the optimized CEO of your business. And that means you are optimizing your sales and marketing, your time and your mindset so that you can have more freedom, a bigger impact and make more money. So grab a coffee, open up your favorite notes app, this is the Art of Online Business Podcast. I am rubbing my hands together right now because the tables are turned, Brittany McBean. Um <laughs> I'm really excited. I just said right before we hit record, I'm like, wait, I get to learn a whole lot about you that I don't know because you know a whole lot about me because you've been interviewing me for copy and to learn about the business and so forth. I'm really excited to dive into Yeah who the heck Brittany McBean is and what you do, how you got to where you are today. Anyway, I got lots of questions for you. So awesome. as we dive into this, let everybody listening right now, right now know who you are and what you do.
2: Yeah, I am a copywriter. Um, I primarily serve online entrepreneurs and course creators, and I focus on launch copy, quizzes, that kind of whole funnel world. I really love writing copy. I write for someone you might know. His name is Rick. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so so I am a conversion copywriter. I write for course creators, online entrepreneurs, and right now we're primarily focusing on launches and funnels and quizzes and all of that. So that's, that's what I do in a nutshell. I'm a mom. I have a two-year-old who is bonkers. I've never met a human with this much energy, and so, so being on so lockdown with her... <laughs> No, (laughs) no. I mean, like like I told you right now, we're on vacation with my in-laws and I'm hiding in like an echoey basement because there's no other place you wouldn't hear her. She's just... She's great. She has so much energy. Um, but I work from home. We don't really have childcare. We're still knocked down with COVID. And so, yeah, we're just kind of figuring, figuring all that out. And then one more thing I'll add in um, that you may not know is this is, I'm about halfway into my second year of my business. So this is all very new for me.
1: I don't think I knew that. how did you get
2: into copyright? No, I'm
1: not. You're only a year and a half in. So we are recording this right now in yeah. early-ish September 2020. So early-ish 2019 is when you started your business officially?
2: Yeah. I mean, Rick, I'm not going to like hop on the phone with you and be like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. You should pay me money. So that was not what I led with. Yeah, it was a very non-linear path. So my degree is in musical theater. Did the professional acting gig for a hot minute, about three years. Ended up moving to Richmond, Virginia. To um act professionally and then um got an admin job at a theater, then hated my job, then quit that job, started nannying, which I really loved doing, but I wasn't like I wasn't challenged and I didn't have that like creative outlet. So I did start doing um, direct sales and network marketing, and I grew really fast and didn't want to be like everyone else who was just spamming everyone's inbox and I was doing kind of what we do in the launch world now without knowing it, where I was like, um, I had runways for product launches and I was doing pre-launches and I was training my team at a really large team. I was training them how to do what I was doing. So if something was working well, I had to reverse engineer it and kind of like regurgitate that in in a digestible training. And one of the things that I started to learn and enjoy doing (sighs) I didn't have any words for it, but basically writing the way that I spoke because everyone else and their mother was copy and pasting their leader's post, you know, what their upline had just posted and that mm. felt really weird and gross. And and so I just kind of started talking, writing the way that I talked and um, that worked well. And so I kind of developed this very unsophisticated like framework of teaching my team how to figure out what their voice sounded like how to figure out what was important to them how to tell their story and in the middle of kind of all of that more towards the end well no middle end of what i was doing in in that business our we started trying to grow our family my husband and i and um went through about 2 years of infertility and then miscarriages, so super bummer. But that was, yeah, that was like a really, really, really low time. But I also mm. had to show up online every single day and I was selling like makeup and skincare. So it's like, hey, I just had a miscarriage that I'm not telling you about, but here's a selfie of me with like an eye look. And, um, and then we started moving towards the adoption process. And because I was showing up online every day, I was like, it's going to be real weird if one day like I just have a baby and nobody talks about this stuff. And I feel like I would have loved to have heard from people who were going through this. So I kind of just in a really boundaryed and healthy way started sharing about what our family had gone through. And then sharing about the adoption process. And as we learned more about like ethical adoption and and how there's a really harmful way of doing it, I kind of wanted to share that because I was like, I had never heard this before. So anyway, long story short, I had this process of learning how to write in my voice and helping other people um, figure out their voice and their values. And then I had this season of learning how to tell a hard story from a really healthy and safe place that like created really deep connections um, and helped other people learn, but didn't, where well, I wasn't using social media as my therapy, I was using my therapy as my therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, all of, all of that was going on. So I was kind of honing those skills. And then when I got really tired and, and burnt out, I was like, all right, I'm going to be done with this. I want to kind of maybe see what else is out there. I started doing social media coaching, realized I hated that, hated social media managing. And I started connecting with people who were calling themselves a copywriter had no idea what that was, asked them if they could tell me what that was. And um, one of my clients had hired me to do like a social media strategy. And I started, she was a course creator and a membership creator. And I started looking at her website and I just thought, I feel like this isn't working for you and I could do better even though I don't know how. Um, So I charged her a price that felt fair for the amount of time I would have to spend, but also the amount of experience I had, which was none, which I didn't tell her, of course. And then I actually hired my friend who is a copywriter. And I just said, Hey, can I you know, tell me what it would cost for you to look at everything I write so that I'm not doing this client a disservice. I'm not just giving her crap. And so I wrote a website and a welcome series and became a copywriter and then started calling myself a copywriter and then had other people pay me to write their stuff. And here we are.
1: How, how did you get <laughs> I mean that's so I have so many questions even just from from that right there. <laughs> well, and before I ask that question around around like how did you start to get your your name out there if you will as a copywriter? Yeah. You said you were learning like how to tell, like how to share things about you, like personal things about you, in mm-hmm. an authentic, you know, way with within reason that you were comfortable with sharing. Yeah. Who were you sharing that type of stuff with? Was it your team? Was it like? You know, people that you're trying to attract as customers. Who are you sharing that stuff with? And why was that important to you? Yeah.
2: No, that's a really good question. It was basically all of Facebook. Like, I, okay. that was where I had my business. I had developed following, which, like, roll your eyes now. That sounds so douchey to say, but I had a, a number of people who um, would follow both my personal content and mm-hmm. business content. And, yeah, it just—I just kind of felt responsible to them. I wasn't obligated at all, but I just wanted to share what was going on with us. And also, we knew that through the adoption process, we were going to have to fundraise, which was a really hard decision. And so, it just—I thought if I can kind of share our story and what's going on, then then people can decide whether they want to support our family in this way or not. So I did tell my team and like really like like one of my the biggest promotions and the biggest month I ever had in my business I was literally in the middle of a miscarriage on drugs I had like 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 prescribed drugs I was on painkillers um
1: <laughs> Let's clarify that
2: <laughs> Sorry yeah let's clarify I was on prescription drugs taking yeah. the appropriate amount but I was it was the end of the month and I was running for this big goal and other people who were not on my team who didn't benefit from me at all like literally stepped in, led my team there. We had this big month. And so I let them know what was going on. And um, yeah, I guess it just felt really important to me for a lot of reasons. One, because first, there weren't a lot of women that I knew who talked about this stuff. And when I started experiencing these losses, all of my friends were like, oh yeah, that happened to me too. And I was like, well, why didn't you tell me? That would have been really nice to know, Like, or at least have someone to call and say like, hey, what, what should I expect here? Or have you ever felt like this? So there was that aspect of like, just helping people not feel so alone. And then when we started moving into the adoption process and learning how harmful adoption can be for adoptees and my daughter's black, I'm very much not black and and very white And, and learning like how transracial adoption can really be harmful and, and all the education we needed to know. And I just thought this is important stuff that people outside of just the adoption community need to know. And it was kind of a little bit of like defense mechanism, you know, because this stuff was like hard and it hurt. And and I also didn't want people to like ask me super uncomfortable questions about adoption or really inappropriate questions, Mm -hmm. which people do all the time. So, I kind of thought like I could get ahead of it and tell them how to treat us, tell them how to talk to us about this or teach them about this. So, I don't know. The, the stakes kind of felt really high once we started learning about unethical adoption and hearing from adult adoptees and transracial adoption, all that stuff. So it, it felt it felt really important to share in a way that I could kind of control the narrative. If that makes sense.
1: I'm so glad you bring that because this is something that I've struggled with myself, and frankly, still still struggle with it to a point where it's like, how much do you share on a personal level mm-hmm. that you're comfortable with? and then how relevant is it to like connecting the personal sharing to business because uh-huh. this comes up a lot for for my students i hear from from people you know listeners of the show here too try and to find that balance of uh-huh. what to share how much to share and then how it all relates to to the business now for me i've decided to really lean into it and i'm you know i I am an open book, but I also frankly struggle with like i 'm just a normal dude who doesn 't do super exciting things during the day, so my brain goes to like mm-hmm. why does anybody care?" But yet, when I share those types of things, like on social media, for example, people are like, "Oh, like, thank you for sharing that. I'm so glad that you know whatever you're going mm-hmm. be or you know what have you." So yeah, let's talk about that because messaging and copy and writing copy and what to share and what not to share is really, I think, a big challenge in the online space that I think some people do definitely talk about as a challenge, but then I think a lot of other people are, are sort of like. I don't know. Like, what comes to my mind to, to describe is like they're kind of suffering in silence a little, little bit. Like mm-hmm. where they're like, ooh, they're not really sure what to do and how to message because when they think of copy or they think of messaging, they uh, they usually go right to like you know the, like copywriting as far as conversion copywriting and business and all that type mm-hmm. of stuff. And
2: yeah, do I write this, "Buy Now" or "Click Here"? Like, that's not right? what I mean, messaging that's, is. All,
1: all, all this stuff is important, but like just sort of yeah. mending and every just melding everything together how does that, how would you recommend, you know, just bringing all that together? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, it does. I mean, it's hard because it's really fluid when we're entrepreneurs and we like most of us, our business is our name, like our like registered LLC is our name. And so it's really hard to to compartmentalize. And, and for me, like, especially sharing the stuff that feels really important to my life and not my business, like I'm not sharing about, and I don't share like about my daughter's story, I share about our experience, but like I'm not using our experience with adoption to connect to business. Like I'm not going to profit off of a really difficult and painful thing. But because that's something I want to share, I think it does allow people to trust me with other stuff cuz they're like, wow, mm. if she's willing to talk about this kind of hard stuff, you know, then and kind of pull back the curtain a little bit But she's probably not putting up smoke and mirrors when she's talking about her services or, or a course that she offers or, or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, I do think like for me, there's not a um, monetary benefit for sharing certain parts of my stories and I don't connect it with my business, but it does create a level of trust and, and trustworthiness. I do think it's really important not to share Stuff when you're like in the middle of it, like your audience cannot be your therapist, and your yeah. your content cannot be your journey. Like I am just now coming out of a really um, intense season of depression that I had no idea I had. And when I was like in the middle of figuring that out and getting on medication and figuring out, like, whoa, I'm super depressed and I have a lot of anxiety and like I really do need some medication. Like I was not sharing that with my audience. Not even because it was that difficult, but just because I was going through it. And that's not like I talked with my husband and my therapist and and not my audience. But at the same time, now that I'm not necessarily on the other side of it, but in a good place with that journey, I feel really good saying, like, hey, I had a really hard time working because I would just stare at my computer and like nothing came to my brain and I couldn't even function and I couldn't open my eyes and I got on some really good medication and now I can work from a really healthy place without a ton of anxiety and I can be really productive and and I'm a really good mom for my kid and I'm a really good wife for my husband when I was moody and angry and tired and There's some prescriptions that help me do that. And I feel really, really good about that. And if that's something somebody else needs to hear, like, cool, you know, because, yeah. yeah, So I don't know. It's kind of like what one creates connection. Like, is there someone else out there who, like, might be really struggling to work and just needs to hear that, like, one, it's okay to struggle, but two, like, maybe, maybe there's something going on and maybe chatting with your therapist for a little while, like, maybe that could be helpful, right? Like even if you don't think something's going on. So maybe that's a helpful message. But then too, like, hey, this is who, this is who I am. This is my business and I want people and this is something I talk about a lot. So this is a bit tangential, but I think it's really important. Like, I want people to know who I am and what my values are because I only want to work with people who share my core values, right? Like we don't have to have everything in common like it, but our markets are all so saturated. There's a bajillion great copywriters out there. Like I want to give my clients and my audience an opportunity to essentially vote for their dollar with their dollars and spend their money and their time with someone whose value aligns with theirs. And so I'm going to be vocal about what it looks like to be a white mom raising a black child. And I'm going to be vocal about these things because if that's not where you are, there probably is someone else for you, but it's not me. So it's, Being a voice that, go ahead.
1: No, no, finish that thought, finish that thought.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say like, I think it's a combination of sharing what feels comfortable, not in the middle of it, not a cathartic um, message. Being a voice that maybe you wish you had that because the reality is, something that you are wanting or experiencing, like you are not the only person and not just like you're not alone, but there are a lot of other people in that situation. So if you're able to step out and kind of provide some thought leadership around that struggle, then that's really powerful. So like being the voice that you want to hear, sharing from a really safe and boundary place, and then letting people know who you are and what you value so that you can be working with people with aligned values and they can they can work with you if they want to and not if they don't, right?
1: And I think that is, I mean, this is a mindset, right? Yeah, there's like, there's strategic implementation of that like as you share mm-hmm. it. But as you're talking about this, what I'm thinking about is this is an abundance mindset because most people would think that, oh, if I'm sharing this stuff that isn't all rosy, all rainbows and mm-hmm. unicorns, then no one will want to work with me. But yet, mm-hmm. what we're talking about here is, frankly, the opposite of that, is if I'm being authentic to myself and like, hey, this is me and this is what I do and, oh, yeah, I'm really good at helping, that I, I can help you, just like you just said, you're attracting the people that relate to you as a person, your mm-hmm. values your, and, and what you're trying to do in the world with your business, but also with your life as well. And so the abundance mindset there is like, Hey, there's plenty. There's, this is not limiting the number of people that I can work with. This is a, in fact, the opposite of that. I'm going to attract, there's a whole bunch of people out there that I can attract to my, and this isn't why you're doing it per se, but like you're being authentic and you're sharing your values and what's important to you and your struggles and how you get through it and all that stuff. And you're attracting people to you based on those things. So it's an abundance mindset rather than limited thinking.
2: Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know anybody who hasn't been through some pretty hard stuff. Like, I think that that's just a pretty universal experience. And, but I do see a lot of thought leaders saying, if you're having a bad day, it's your fault. Just manifest this more, just think positively. And the reality is like, that's not always true. Like I couldn't think positively through my, I I had positive thoughts. I couldn't, I couldn't outthink my depression. Right. Mm -hmm. I couldn't like my miscarriages or losses had nothing to do with positivity or attraction. Like that was just something that happened. Right. So like there, I think that there are a lot of, there are a lot of really great positive messages. And then there are a lot of positive messages that cause a lot of shame. And I have seen way more people who have struggled with some hard stuff than people whose life has been really great. So like, and my husband works in addiction and recovery. And so there's a lot of people in our community that are just really suffering. So I don't see a ton of value in life and in business in the like, if you're having a bad day, it's your fault message because that just leaves you feeling like And people don't hang around when you make them feel terrible. So yeah. um, yeah, I don't know. Like I it's never occurred to me that, that that wouldn't be a good thing to do. And if it is repelling some people, well, that's fine. Cause I'm probably not gonna write good copy for you if you want me to write that like that all you need is positivity, like. I'm not going to do good right. work, so why would I take your money to do that? Like I've right. I've tried to do the, the super woo without any action steps and that really helps some people. Like that's wonderful if that's your thing. I don't live in that world that doesn't that's not my thing and I've tried to write that copy and it sucked. So like not go, not going to keep doing that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and this is this is such a good point that, you know, I hear from so many people and I've and I've worked with so many students over the years that you know, again, I, I keep going back to this limited mindset versus abundance where, because most people think that they need to work with somebody or I need to bring in a student. I I have to need, need this, this person needs to buy my course or coaching or whatever it is because I need the money. But yet mm-hmm. it's not a match to, they don't, it, it, there's not an alignment there to um, on values and, and all this stuff that you're talking about, Brittany. And then it's like, it just makes it so much harder. The transformation doesn't is so much more challenging because there's that misalignment in everything that you're talking about. I mean, what also comes to mind too, along those same lines is years ago, when I was teaching ad managers how to grow their ad mansion business, you know, one of the hardest things for people to wrap their head around is that if they have a client that is just draining their life, just draining their energy for one reason or another, mm-hmm. is very similar to what you're talking about. They don't want to let them go because that's money coming in each month. But when in fact what happens is, and I've seen it literally every single time this has happened, and I got that person to let that client go, it frees up so much energy for them that They all of a sudden have this rush in of new clients that align so much better with them and they're so much happier. But it's that initial like, ooh, I gotta let that person go, even though it's gonna be a short term hit to the bank account.
2: I mean, last year I made after taxes and business expenses, which were very minimal. I bought one course and a couple like twenty dollar pieces of software I needed. I made $7,000 last year. Like you can't pay your bills on that. And I'm not ashamed of it. It was what I needed. I was just literally doing trial and error, just getting out there, just saying things, working with clients, trying to figure out what I wanted to say, what my messaging was, what I wanted to do. And I made $7,000. And like, we really struggled to pay our bills last year. That was really rough. Our business, my business brought in 30,000 last month. So it like I don't know if I'm the perfect case study for that because I I'm still in the middle of it and figuring out like there and there were a lot of things I changed in the business like my my client you know lead gen sales funnel and all this stuff but I like just doing things that that like just getting work out there even if it sucked to figure out either I hate doing this or I like doing this I'm going to do more of this I hate working with these people I like working with these people that, like getting clear on the messaging and getting clear on what I did and how I wanted to serve people and who I wanted to serve, that I love this launch world, that I love um, online entrepreneurs, that I love people who have some grit to them and something to really say and want to push back on the status quo. Like that's, I figured that out by doing work that didn't pay off, right? Like it did, mm. but but I made $7,000 and yeah. You,
1: you did work that like, that didn't, I mean, didn't really light you up. But, but the, what you're, I think what you're saying is you got experience along the way that led you to where you are now to, uh, to get that clarity on all the things that you just mentioned. Who I want to work with, what types of clients, what types of copy do I want to write, all that stuff. And I want to tell the story in just a second about how I connected with you. But once you decided that you were going to be a copywriter and you said that you had a friend who was a copywriter and they checked your work mm-hmm. and all this other stuff... How did you, because I was, I got referred to you by somebody. Mm-hmm. How did you start to, once you made that decision, like, okay, I'm going to do this. How did you start to get, you know, connecting with other copywriters and and
2: all that stuff? Yeah. Um. So last June, June of 2019, I like my website went live. It said that I was a copywriter on it. Like I was like, all right, I guess I'm doing this thing. Like it no longer, like my, my Instagram doesn't say, yeah. Like, like my header says I write copy, you know, it's not just like, Oh, I'm a social media coach, which is great. That just wasn't the direction I wanted to go. So I know everybody says this, but showing up in Facebook groups. And so one thing I did last year, I took Amy Porterfield's digital course Academy. And when you enroll in that, you get in um, a Facebook group that, that is only for her, for her students, for her paying students. And I was now in a very specific group with all of my ideal clients. So I just showed up and I know everyone says this show up and I value show up and I value, but like if somebody had a question I could answer, I answered it. And, and I just said like, Hey, let me know if you have more questions. And I send voice messages over Facebook and I just like help them solve little problems. And then that led to, Hey, do you do this? Can we chat about my website? Can we, or somebody else commenting like, oh, like I would, I would answer a question for one poster. And then another person would come into the comments and be like, oh, I think I actually need you. So that's how I got my first couple of clients. And I didn't have a ton of clients and I wasn't charging a lot, but that was how I started writing copy, figuring out how I liked to work, um, what was really helpful for my clients, what didn't work for my clients, like where I could improve. And then I got a couple under my belt and then I raised my prices a little bit. And then I had a big dip and like, and this was really interesting too, that like I raised my prices, but not my system and really the quality of my business. So I was now doing work for the same people at the same level, but asking for more money and nobody signed proposals. And then when I raised my prices again and completely overhauled the business, then I started sending out you know, five figure contracts and, and my proposal acceptance rate went from like 52% to 98%. And so, yeah, I just kind of showed up and tried to help people and got in the same room as my ideal client and just was willing to have conversations. And I don't know. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I, I, I just want to pause real quick and just let for, for all of you guys listening right now, what Brittany just said, you know, it, we throw it around a lot, right? Like Surround like get into where your where your ideal customers are, and it sounds cliche, just like Brittany said, like start adding value, be a resource for them and Brittany's a perfect example of how the business started to take off after that, and if you're in the very early stages of your business, once you get clarity on who you want to serve, again, I sound like a broken record, but deciding you know who being clear on who you want to serve, how you serve them specifically. And then getting into communities, surrounding yourself, especially here in COVID times, we're doing it virtually, get into Facebook groups, uh, just surround yourself with your ideal clients. You get, there's so many benefits to it. Brittany, as a copywriter, you got to see the language that they're using. You got to see mm-hmm. their problems, their challenges, and now you're having conversations with them. There's so many benefits to that because then you can use that copy in your emails in your ads and your landing pages, in your sales page, whatever, all that stuff. And so how did you start to connect with... I want to go back to in a second. So please Mm -hmm. remind me. I want to go back to what you said. Like I started charging more, but I didn't have the infrastructure Mm -hmm. to support it. So I want to go back to that. So you're you're making connections with your ideal customers. How did you start to connect with other copywriters? How did you get on the radar of other copywriters? Because I was referred to you by another copywriter.
2: Yeah. um, And actually, the copywriter who referred you to... Or me to you connected us. I've never met, don't know her from Adam. It was a third party that knew the two of us. Okay. So that was really cool. Instagram for sure. Um, Listening to podcasts that had communities. So the Copywriter Club Podcast is led by um, Rob Marsh and Kira Hug, and I really love their teaching style. They have a free Facebook group. I got in there. I just started learning. Like I, I was just like, I want to be the dumbest person in the room, for sure was, and <laughs> just got in there and, and tried to figure out like what this copywriting thing was so that when I had that sales call with a client... I could come at it from a place of confidence and not like, oh, I've never done this before or, oh, this is only my second website or, oh, I just raised my prices. You're my first one. It was like, oh, I typically do this and this and this because that's what somebody in a Facebook group said to do. So I was like, I'm going to try that out, right? So I, yeah, just like learning from people and then and then just like really faking some confidence so that my clients had confidence in me. and And like you said, just like learning by doing, like figuring out, what I wanted to say, the kind, like, I really love personality-driven copy. If somebody's like, oh, can we take out some four-letter words? I'm like, well, sure, but that's no fun. Why would we do that, right? Like, I don't want to write for corporate. I don't want to write for businesses. Like, if you don't want to write the way you talk, then I'm going to be bored. And if you don't want to write the way your ideal client talks and use their messaging, well, then it's not going to convert. So it was, you know, figuring out, like, what hills I want to die on, what platforms I want to stand on, um, who I want to work with, who I don't want to work with. And then being in the room with other people who are doing it and doing it better and just like learning to sound confident by doing what they did. (laughs) Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, totally. And I I want to get in more of the story of us connecting and your business growth and all that stuff. But Mm -hmm. talk real quick about as you mentioned, because I think this is a great lesson for so many people listening right now is like, at, you raised your prices, but you didn't have the infrastructure in place in the business to really support it. What did that mean for you? And what did that look like?
2: Yeah. So quick and dirty. Like when I first started my business social media and the transition to copywriting like it was like someone would send me an Instagram DM and we would hop on a call right and I didn't even know the word sales call but we would hop on a sales call and um they would tell me what they wanted I would tell them what I think they needed And then I would send them a proposal, right? And like the very first proposal I sent out was sent in a Google Doc. It was typed up. It was professional, but it was in a Google Doc. Um, And that's how I did it for a little while. And then raised the prices. Like no proposals were accepted. And then I was like, my my system doesn't give my clients the confidence that I'm driving this ship, that they're going to be taken care of, that I know what I'm doing, even though like. I didn't, but I did like, I really knew that the work I was doing was good and I could be better. So um, I started implementing like really a, a sales funnel where, you know, yes, a client inquires through the website, but they also have to fill out a form that kind of lets them know, like, if we're going to get on a call together, I need to know these things about you and you need to know these things about you, right? So if they don't, then, then they're not a great fit. And then I would love to refer them out. I want to be a, a source for them, um, but they have to go through this process and then they get you know they get a magazine of services so that they can look at my prices and that's very intentionally written in the way that I write so if you don't like reading this then maybe maybe we're not a great fit and if those prices blow your mind then then maybe we're not a good fit and then you can book a call for me if that feels good and then I have a very specific like sales call like template that runs really organically but You know, and then then what does that look like? Then taking that client through like, okay, I'm gonna send your proposal and telling them what what I think they need, like reflecting to make sure that I heard their goals, but then letting them know, like, I'm gonna bring you the strategy. You're not paying me to write your words, you're not telling me what to write, you're telling me what your goals are, I'm giving you the strategy and the conversion copy to reach those goals. And so the proposal reflected that. And I spent like eight hours building out a proposal template that now I spend an hour on every proposal, but but I I spent a lot of time letting my clients know, like, this is how that's going to go. This is what you can expect. And this is what I'm bringing to the table. I mean, my proposal is like four or five, six pages long, something like that. But yeah, I mean, it was kind of building out that really long funnel, but that helped create expectations and confidence in me while also putting on display what I do best, which is write. So I was like, how many writing materials can I get in front of them? And I've had people say like, like Rick, you're at, like one of the hi- the like highlights of my career. Like I almost cried when I read it in the um, onboarding questionnaire that I have. It says, you know, like what copy do you like? Because I want to get a feel for their style. Like it doesn't have to be my style. And you wrote like the only example you gave of copy that you wanted to read. You said you said you liked my website. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, you yeah, said yeah, I yeah, really yeah. like your website. And I I like that was a big moment for me, you know, like anyway, anyway, so it not about me, but, but yeah, like having an opportunity to audition for them, for my clients and giving them a lot of confidence. Um, and you know, my proposal has testimonials in it. It has stuff that like, you can't go through my client sales funnel and think, Oh, she's never done this before. Even yep. if I haven't, like you can't, you know? So mm-hmm. That, does that really answer the
1: question. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you mentioned that your success rate, I guess, people taking your
2: mm-hmm.
1: proposals went from like fifty something percent to ninety eight percent, and yeah. a lot of what you're talking about there qualifies them before they even get to that point. And I think there's a great lesson here. Whether you know, whether you guys listening are booking sales calls from a webinar or from whatever it is, like it's that qualification process that can. You know the numbers that apply, if you will, to work with you might go down, but the quality is going to go way up, and you'll close more of those people, which counteracts the the number, like the quantity coming through. And the, yeah. and the idea is like, mm-hmm. as long as you can support it from an infrastructure place, start, you know, system in your business. The idea is like, all right, let's increase the quantity and the quality to close more.
2: Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's anecdotal. Like most of that is automated too, which makes a big difference. But like I set that system up when I had zero clients. Like Rick, I've made probably $1,500 between January and June. And we've brought in almost 40K since June. Like I set up that proposal or that system at the first half of the year when I had no clients so it wasn't like, oh, I have so many people coming in the door. I better weed some of them out. It was yeah. like, I want to play with the big boys and girls. I want to. I want to be up there. So, how can I prove to my clients that I'm our, that I am?
1: So I think this is another way, and I want to. I do want to get to you know just from some tangible tips and strategies for how people can write better copy and the messaging. But we've talked a lot about messaging so far, even.
2: We've talked a lot about me. And so now we need to talk about your audience.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But but, like, it's such a good, you know, it's such a good lesson. Like you were planning for the business that you wanted to have, Mm -hmm. right? And where was I going with this thought? And now... You have, we, you now. we've started working together and what jumped out. And I didn't know you when we first, you know, because when we got connected, I was like, I have no idea who this person is. So
2: I, I have been dying site. to ask you. Yeah. Like, I want to know why you hired me. So I'm very curious.
1: Um, so I hired you for, I checked out your site and I truly did like the way that you wrote. And I I saw myself in like... Mm. How I try to communicate in the way that you were writing on your site, and so I was like, "All right." So that was enough for me to have the you know have that initial call, Mm -hmm. and then you seem to get me really quickly. You know, there's so like I, I hear from students all the time when they hire somebody to to write copy for them, whether it's somebody on their team or just an external copywriter, that they get frustrated because. It takes a while for someone to, to learn their voice. And it does like it, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're asking somebody else to write like you speak and how you communicate and how you message and all that stuff. Well, I picked up on that. I mean, I'm pretty good. Like intuitively is like, all right, I think this person's a good fit. So we started off with the um, about page for my new mm-hmm. website and the homepage. So I forget what you wrote for... Oh, I think you wrote some copy for the uh, for the homepage first. Mm-hmm. I think that was it. And then I started to see it. I was like, this is really good. This is exactly the direction I want to go. And you just seemed to get it. And so then you wrote the about page. And that was great. <laughs> and now... I, and I joke with you as far as like <laughs> lifetime customer value. So <laughs> we started off with the homepage and the about page. Now it's become... So so, guys, I'm launching a new website. My website right now is awful. I'm fully aware of it. like that's a different story for another episode because it was a gigantic <laughs> waste of money um but there's a new website coming out in October. so anyway, Brittany's writing a copy for it, so it turned out to turn from the about page in and the home page into the podcast page i'm I'm gonna have a new podcast intro here. um we have a new quiz com- depending on when this episode comes out. I'm not entirely sure. Got a new brand new quiz coming out. We have a new welcome series coming out. A new sales page copy coming out for our new our new program. There's been one other thing in there too.
2: I'm writing your entire launch. Yeah.
1: And, oh, yeah. And all the launch emails <laughs> too. And so it's like it went from one or two things to like seven things mm-hmm. in a short time. But the reason that that was happening was because I was seeing like how good the copy was and how well you were getting me. And like, just you talk about origin, like the original conversation we were having as far as values go. And like, I was connecting with you on all on all those levels. And so I just think it's such a good fit. And I joked with you, like I was really cautious about quote unquote, sharing you with other people because I've been burned in the past when I do that. Yeah. But you know like i i just want to help people as much as possible when i like you're really good at what you do and so i referred you to a couple of my former accelerator students who are just crushing it in their business and Like, there's well, one person already went through a launch with you and just crushed that launch.
2: Yeah. She was like, I would love to do like 20 or 30K. And I was like, okay, that sounds great. And then we made over six figures. (laughs) I have no chill. And I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't hold back. (laughs) It's
1: just, it's that. So that's why, you know. And I I think, again, yes, guys, we're talking about how I I, I started working with Brittany, but the, the, the greater lesson here is how Brittany showed up and how she put herself out there to, say, this is who I am. This is the type of copy that I write. These are the types of businesses that I want to work with. And, you know, even though you might not have been confident in the very beginning, like that didn't show up to me. And it's kind of like a fake it till you make it sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And like, it was like that. uh, So it's so for so many of you guys who are maybe an online coach, or if you're listening as a service-based business or something like that, like there's so many great lessons here that Brittany's talking about going from... I think you did what seven k last year to <laughs> what thirty k in August or something like that I mean, yeah and and so and that 's how this built like there is there's no chance of going back to what you were doing last year, right like no. referrals get out there and you know all this other stuff, so anyway, I do want to talk about because i I think this this whole discussion, if anybody's still listening from like wait, Rick, get to the tips and strategies from Brittany like. <laughs> There's so many lessons here about growing your business and standing out in a crowded market here of being true to who you are and being authentic to what is most important to you and your values. And again, trusting when you do that, the abundance mindset of that rather than a scarcity that's not going to, I mean, even if it's going to repel people, it's going to attract more people that align with you and your business is gonna be so much more healthy from a revenue and your happiness perspective. So with all of the, the work that you do for clients and stuff like that, let's talk about how, cause, cause messaging and copywriting is one of the big challenges that mm-hmm. online course creators, online entrepreneurs have. How can they sort of improve that? And, and I mean, yes, like they can continue to just keep writing, keep writing, that's good, you're gonna improve but what are some Mm -hmm. tangible things that people can do to really improve their messaging and improve their copywriting?
2: Yeah. So I think one really important thing is to understand that there's a big difference between your message and your copy and your copy is never your message. So what I mean by that is, well, actually no, let me reverse engineer it a little bit because people say like, I need help with messaging, I need help with messaging. And I think that that means, you know, positioning and offer and all this stuff. And really, like, it means getting very clear on who you are, what you stand for, and then and what you do, and then getting really clear on what your ideal audience or the people you want to work with, what they need to hear. I don't mean like manipulating them. I mean, like, how do they understand what it is that you want to say, like think of like the five love languages, right? It's not, you're not manipulating someone by loving them through gifts. It's just, this is how I communicate this to you. So I getting clear in your messaging comes from really understanding like who you are, what you want to say, what stand you want to take, and then how you need to communicate that to the people who you want to hear you. And I think that that comes from equal parts, just doing, just like saying things and then seeing like, oh, that felt really icky when I said that, right? Like, it's okay to just mess it up. Just get your crappy first draft out there, but, you know, copy someone. Like, I don't mean literally plagiarize, but I mean like, okay, like you see someone you admire saying something and it works. Well, try it. It probably won't work for you, but then you know that thing doesn't work, right? Like that didn't feel good. Um, But when you say something that comes from a place of whatever, like that, when people really respond to it, okay, put a pin in that. So it is figuring out like, what do I really like talking about? What do I really want to say? What do I disagree with, with other people in my industry? That is a big one. And it's not about being super negative and comparing or trashing, but just like, what are other people saying that I am not down with. And that was kind of what we talked about. Like I, there's a lot of, to use a buzzword, toxic positivity. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to, I'm not just going to not say that. I'm going to straight up say like, Hey, that sucks. Like if you're going through something and somebody just said it to you, like that sucks. Right. So like knowing what you're not saying, knowing what you are saying by just doing, by seeing what people resonate with seeing what feels good, and continuing to do the work and just like, okay, do I want to keep niching down? Do I want to keep getting more specific? Everyone freaks out about their niche. Sure. Pick a lane, right? But like you can change lanes. Just don't change lanes every five seconds. Just start doing something and see what feels really good and get more narrow about how you help, how you like the exact outcome that people, the solution that they get, I'm sorry. Yeah. The solution they get from working with you, who you like working with all these different things, but then the most, so that's really, really important. And that's going to be a little less wavering. You might pivot, you might, you know, but like stick your flag in that sand and just Stay there, right? But then you need to be listening, like with with tuned up ears to your people, because you are not going to come up with your copy. You're not going to come up with your offers. You're not going to come up with solutions to people's problems in your head. That is not where money gets made. That's not where solutions happen. Like you find solutions by listening to their problems. I think Seth, Seth Godin said, like, don't find. Customers for your products, find products for your customers. And that's mm. what it is. Like, you need to be in the trenches listening. If you want to um, help s- someone set up the tech for their sales funnel, right? but you're the people that you want to work with. They're at the beginning stage of their journey. Maybe they just took B school. Maybe they just took DCA. Maybe they just took foundations and like, all right, I got to get this, this set up. Well, they're probably not saying I need someone to set up my sales funnel. They're saying like, I'm really overwhelmed with the tech and I don't know how to connect my, like, landing page to my delivery email or i don't know how to make the customer journey really smooth. So if you show up and you write copy about like i'm going to get your sales funnel up and running, i'm going to write a sales funnel that converts, that means literally nothing to them. Like that makes you sound smart. Congratulations, you know, a buzzword. Mm-hmm. That's not going to make you money. But if you can say, hey, do you need help like connecting like making all the different puzzle pieces connect and work to each other, work with each other without your computer blowing up. If you want to make sure that your customer like experience is really smooth even if it feels overwhelming to you like that's where I step in so it is figuring out what you want to do who you want to serve how you want to serve them where you stand where you don't stand but then using your customers words to communicate your message so your message is never the copy your copy is your clients and your audience's words, Mm. their problems, their objections, their hesitations, the solutions they want, their goals. Like that is the copy. The copy is their words. It's never your message. So if I want to communicate to someone like I'm going to help you, or I believe in a really simple business model. Well, I'm the copy isn't, I believe in a really simple business model, right? The copy is like, Hey, I know you're tired of trying to like fix a tech glitch while feeding your kid an applesauce pouch and simultaneously voxering like a client and a VA while trying to set up tomorrow's schedule, right? Like like you're painting that picture because that's that's a moment that someone has actually lived in time. That is like, oh yeah, like (laughs) when that applesauce pouch got all over my computer because I was trying to do too many things. And then you've hit their problem, like you've nailed the problem, you've painted that picture that they are in. So now you can go solve it for them with the words that they're using.
1: And how to do this, we talked about earlier, getting into communities where your ideal audience is hanging out, sharing what their problems and challenges are. When we are in non-COVID times, going to conferences, right? And talking to your ideal customers. Something I talked about here in the podcast before, a big mistake that I made early on in my business was that it took me... It wasn't until a year and a half into my business before I jumped on a Skype, mm-hmm. Skype at the time to talk to like four or five of my ideal customers at the time. And I remember I was I was in a I was at a, a Starbucks in Carlsbad here in San Diego. Remember distinctly, I remember you know finishing up the last Skype call, or whatever that I did after talking to them. I was like, "Holy cow! Why did I wait a year and a half mm-hmm. before doing this?" Because I learned so much about them. I learned why they joined the program, what, what they didn't like about the program, what, would they, what, what did they like. I used the language of what problems we mm-hmm. were solving, all, like all that stuff. And it's exactly what you're talking about there. And I love the distinction between messaging and copywriting. And I've never looked at it that way, frankly, before. And it's, we tend to overcomplicate writing copy. You know, mm-hmm. and like from an ads perspective, people are always like, I, "I'm, I'm, I'm not a copy, I, I'm not an, a copywriter for ads." Like, well, I'm not, a, I'm not a good copywriter, <laughs> but it's just like, you know, and I like to say, like, what would you say to your ideal to, to your ideal audience if you were sitting down for coffee with them? Mm-hmm. How would you describe what you want them, like, whatever ad, whatever reason that you're running the ad? What would you say to them to get them to take that action? And just like you just said, Brittany, paint that picture of what they're experiencing, and then how you can help them.
2: Yeah. I mean, three-fourths of my time is spent... Like I always say, copywriters are really good stalkers, really good listeners, and really good copy and pasters. Like I creep on people, my client's audience. I hear what they're saying, I copy and paste it. Like I have spreadsheets on spreadsheets on spreadsheets. Like you know, you you're getting them in your inbox, but I spend yeah. so much time in that research. And like, okay, how are they describing their problems? And listening to someone who hasn't bought from you yet and someone who has. And like you just said, we may be super stoked about this one feature of our course. Like, oh my God, everybody's gonna love this. No one out there is offering this. But then you start asking people, why did you buy my course? And they're like, oh that one bonus you had for that one day was like the most amazing Thing, that's a thing I'm looking for. Well, you got to swallow your pride and stop talking about that feature you're super stoked about because they don't care. That bonus is now a big part of your copy, right? Like that's the thing that mattered to them. So it is listening and is copy and pasting. It is using like like I'm not telling you, oh, listen for somebody making a joke about the applesauce pouch spilling in their computer and then go writing the copy of like, oh, it's really overwhelming when you're trying to be a parent and work at the same time. No, you are writing because an applesauce pouch just got spilled in your computer. Like you are you are literally copy and pasting the words that they've used to describe a situation and to paint a picture that is so clear that like it could be acted out in a movie, right? So The research, the research is where the money is. Like you don't know what to write. You don't know how to write it. You don't know what's important until you listen and until you ask them. And that can be asking customers if you already have them. It can be asking people that are just in your audience. Like Rick, I've done like seven interviews for you this week with just like your podcast audience. Or it can just be going where they are and just creeping. Like... I know the Facebook groups where people hang out and I do all my market research in there, you know, and I don't ever have to hop on a phone call with anyone just to get that data. So that's not something you need to hire someone to do. Like I'm really good at it and I'm going to find the right Mm -hmm. things. And then my brain is wired to like quantify it and hear what's really behind it and read between the lines and then put that in copy. But like, You can do that with your audience now. Go to a free Facebook group and just search a keyword, right? Like what is a keyword in your niche? Search it, copy and paste the questions, the frustrations, the anxieties, the hesitations, all that stuff. Put it in a spreadsheet, then copy and paste that into your copy.
1: And this is where having a, a small email list or a small audience can be super beneficial. Like mm-hmm. you can do this on Instagram by asking a question, for example, in Instagram stories. You can, if you've got a small email list, email them say, "Hey, this Friday at nine a.m. I'm, I've blocked off two hours for to hop on the phone with you or whatever. Like so here's a sign up link, you know, free Calendly sign up link." Click this link. Let's get on Zoom and talk for 15 minutes. Like, this is exactly, guys, where what Brittany's talking about in being able to connect with your ideal audience and hear what their challenges are, what their pain points are, what, how are they speaking, all that different stuff. Another thing that, another strategy that, that I always love is like l- looking at Amazon reviews oh, yeah. on books that are relevant to your topic. Like, what are people saying about it? Cause you mm-hmm. might be like, oh, I didn't even think about that. That's so good. And to your point, copy and paste. Like you can add that to your spreadsheet.
2: Yeah, and the the less people think someone is listening or someone's going to read it, the more (laughs) golden nuggets you get. So YouTube comments, holy crap, go find a YouTube video that teaches something you teach. And just like, what are they, what questions aren't clear for them? Like, what are they still curious about? Mm -hmm. What do they, what are they loving? What's really right? So like YouTube blog post comments, um, Reddit forums, you know, Amazon reviews, like all of these places where people aren't showing up to share like what they think somebody else wants to hear. They're just like, this is what's in my head in the moment. That's where you're gonna get the golden nugget and with your copy, you always, always, always have to be answering the question. What's in it for me? Like with every sentence you write, you have to assume your reader is asking what's in it for me. Even if you're talking about yourself on your about page, you're still answering the question. What's in it for me. And you don't know the answer of, you don't know the answer that they're asking what they're, what they want, what they want to hear if you're not listening to them. So you have to know what they care about, what, yeah. Yeah, what's going on in their head, so that you can answer that question.
1: I want to start to wrap up, but I want to kind of flip this on the other end of the spectrum for people who are like, okay, cool, but I want to hire somebody to do, to do mm-hmm. this. I want to hire. How do you recommend people hire a copywriter? Like, what kind of process would you recommend that they do? Um, and we've talked about it from from your perspective at you know trying to get trying to mm-hmm. get business. Like, what, what would you recommend somebody? Like, what's that process? What should that process maybe look like for them to find a copywriter?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, like copywriters are chameleons; like we can switch into anyone's voice, so they don't have to write the way you write, right? So, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count someone out that maybe isn't like their website isn't exactly how you talk, right? But I do think like seeing that what's important to you is important to them. Like, and I don't mean like big life values. Like I said, like for me, like my clients want, the number one thing I hear is it just needs more me. Like I just need it to sound like me. I want me. And so they're asking for personality. They're asking for their personality. So I'm very clear that I write personality based copy and that converts like it's not just fun to read it converts and and so it's yeah just do they do like figuring out what's important to you what's the most important you know and if if the answer is just to save you time i would encourage you to dig deeper cuz number one no service provider wants to hear that like they're just a robot for you they're just an assistant like that they don't bring anything to the table but yeah when i write for you you're not going to have to write all your copy and i'm going to save you hours and hours and hours but like I'm going to help you reach your goals in a way that you couldn't. So getting really clear on your goals, finding somebody who values those goals and who can meet them. Um, if they have case studies, great. I mean, like I didn't have a ton. I just told them, this is what I This is what I want to do. This is what I usually do, even if I had never done it before. But, But yeah, if they can have case studies, if they've worked with people who are similar to you, right? Like I'm not going to write for e-commerce. Like it's just not... I'm not going to do a good job because I write for course creators, right? That's Mm -hmm. what I do. That's the world that I know. It's definitely going to shorten our, our process and our path to success. Making sure that they do have a framework and that they do have a process, even if they're still figuring out just like, what does working with you look like? Like that should be an important question that they should be able to answer. Like on our sales call, I tell them, Hey, I spend a lot of time in the research and I make all of my decisions and strategies informed Like it's all informed by the research. And if you're not down with that, we're probably not a great fit. Like I cannot just write the words you think are important or the message like you want to say. So to, yeah, I think finding someone who can help you reach your goals, like getting really clear and specific on your goals, um, making sure that they have a framework that, that works for you and that you guys both understand the vision and the, um, the objective of working together and that you're on the same page and then someone who can, who can hit deadlines. And, and I really think the most important thing is you want to make sure that you are heard, like that they get you and your message and your business and what you're doing and your goals. And if they don't, that they're going to continue asking questions. Cause I, in every sales call, I try to reflect back to my clients. It sounds like this is what you're wanting. And I go big picture. I talk goals. I don't say like, you want four emails. I say, it sounds like this is what you've experienced in the past. And I ask them what didn't work for you. What did work for you? It sounds like this is what, what is important to you. It sounds like these are the goals. This is what I recommend. Does that like, did I hit the nail on the head? Am I missing something? And then I also reflect like that back to them in an email as soon as we get off the sales call. So that when I go write the proposal, I just copy and paste that email. Like I, I make sure that they know I have heard them. And that if I didn't hear them, it's either because we're not a great fit or I haven't asked enough clarifying questions. So I need to continue to dig in and listen and figure out where it is that they want to go. And if I can get them there, you don't want, you don't want a yes man or woman, someone who just says, yep, whatever you're doing, I can do it. So and you also the only other thing I'll add, sorry, that was a lot of things because I didn't I didn't have a very structured answer. I would say you do want a copywriter who's gonna do strategy. Like you should never be telling your copywriter, I need four emails. And if you if you think that's what you need, like have I mean you're a smart marketer, like you if you got your business to the point where you can afford a copywriter, you're doing something right. Like it doesn't mean that we know everything, Mm -hmm. but you know, copywriters are strategists and they are marketers and and I would say you need to trust them, but also ask them like, Hey, this is your job is to figure out what moving pieces go where and what we need and when and how and what. So yeah, I think those are.
1: I think that's a really important distinction there because most people think of, I mean, better or worse, like for copywriters, like I need four emails, like you Mm -hmm. just said, rather than asking that question, like you just said, asking the right questions and feeling like you're heard looking to them like a strategic advisor to the business, the overar- overarching goals of the business mm-hmm. with this specific project, like, are they willing to do that? And mm-hmm. that is it, that can be a really black and white, like, all right, you know what, this is not, this is not a good fit. Like, all right. Cause you, you're just like, all right, I'll write four emails with whatever you want. Maybe that's not the right thing.
2: Yeah. Not the, yeah. Not the right fit. Yeah, yeah. trusting your gut too. Like if it doesn't feel right. Uh, Ry Schwartz is a copywriter I love. Um, and he he says that copywriting is the most intimate thing you can do outside the bedroom, and it's true. Like, <laughs> like I have I've asked Rick some hard hitting personal questions. That's why I was so I know
1: <laughs> so so excited to ask you questions because. <laughs> Like we've had hours of calls where I'm like sharing stuff and I'm like, I'm going to talk about this with anybody.
2: Yeah. And like, you don't, you don't know anything about me, but like there's a lot of, there's a lot of trust, a lot of trust that goes into working with a copywriter. So like if your gut doesn't feel good on day one and and you can't like, you can't remedy that. Like it's not just a matter of asking a couple questions. Cause I've had clients where like, we were just not on the same page until we got on the same page and then we were great. But like, it doesn't feel good. Like, don't do something really intimate with them. That's just yeah. like, if, you're, if it doesn't feel great with your bookkeeper, but they can keep your books in line, like, cool, do it, right? Don't do that with a copywriter.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that's a good place to, to, to wrap up. <laughs> if, it if it doesn't feel good, do not continue that process with the, with the copywriter. So there's gonna be a lot of people that wanna connect with you um, and learn more about you, maybe t- maybe to work with you. What's the best place for them to
2: do that, for them to connect with you? Yeah, I show up, the most for the people on my email list. So I would say get on there. We'll do a, a copy freebie at brittanymcbean.com forward slash Rick, and it will be really good. And you're going to love it. And I don't know what it is yet, but it's going to be brilliant and amazing. And it's going to solve all of your copy messaging personality problems. So go to brittanymcbean.com is, forward slash Rick. Promise. I know. That's the thing. You make a big promise, and you have to do it. That's, that's my strategy. Wait, this um, is going
1: live tomorrow. Cool. <laughs> I'm just, I'm kidding.
2: Great. Done.
1: BrittanyMcBean.com <laughs> forward slash Rick.
2: Yep. Okay. And okay. I'm, I'm on Instagram too, but really like when I show up, when it comes to giving away information and freebies and sales and discounts and pre-sales, like I show up for my email list first yep. and foremost. So that's cool. where you want to be.
1: Awesome. Guys, I'll link that up in the uh, show notes also for the episode here today. But again, the link is Brittany McBean. Spell it, spell it for us.
2: Uh, <laughs> B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y and then M-C-B as in boy, E-A-N.
1: Okay. BrittanyMcBean.com forward slash Rick. Brittany, thank you so much. This is like, like I told Brittany coming into this interview here, I said, hey, I start with a blank Google Doc in front of me. This is like us sitting down for coffee. I have no idea where this is going to go, but we covered a lot of really cool, interesting things that can really help a lot of people on a lot of different levels in their online business. So thank you for sharing all that stuff. Appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having me on. This is a huge honor, man.
1: Hey, as I mentioned at the top of the show, if you're an online course creator or you're an online coach and you're already averaging at least 7 to 8K per month in revenue from your online business and you want to scale, however, you're already feeling the overwhelm. You're likely doing all the things in your business right now. You're likely feeling burnt out or heading towards Burnout. You're not really sure what next steps to be taking in your business in order to take it to the next level. Well, that, my friend, is exactly what we help you do inside of my accelerator coaching program. This is a one on one group coaching and mastermind experience, all wrapped up into one, if I do say so myself, amazingly effective coaching program. Okay. And so, what we're all about in helping you do is increase your profit, increase your impact with less hustle because more hours working does not equate a more successful business. Okay. So if this sounds like something that you want to get into, that you'd like my eyes on your business as well as my team, then I want to invite you to go check out and apply. It's application only. Go to rickmulready.com forward slash accelerator. All right, my friends, as always, thank you so much for tuning into the show. Super appreciate you until the next time. Be well, my friends, and I'll talk to you soon.
0: Do you want to avoid the seven biggest mistakes that burn through course creators ad money? I see these over and over and over again, and I put them together in a mini email series. This is not fluff. Each of the seven mistakes, I also have a recorded video tutorial showing you inside of facebook ad manager how to fix those mistakes this is good solid and it will save you money or help you make more money with your facebook ads click down in the show notes below you'll see the link and you can go download it right now for free